right, riddle me this, Kev. What's one of the first upgrades you should do to your vehicle? What is it? What do you go for? Well, you might think power, but ultimately, from a smart and safe perspective, definitely the brakes. Yeah, no doubt. Upgraded braking systems can really transform a vehicle's performance and honestly give you better peace of mind behind the wheel in any situation. You know, from the track to off-road trails, even the morning commute, every single vehicle deserves performance brakes at an affordable price. And no matter what your vehicle or driving style, PowerStop has complete brake upgrade kits for you. So head to PowerStop.com, fill in your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder to be matched with complete kits and components that are low-dust, noise-free, and feature upgraded stopping power. That's right. You could join the thousands of other drivers that have already transformed their vehicle into a stopping powerhouse today with PowerStop. PowerStop.com, brake upgrades made easy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. Fired up today because, well, we get to peel back a layer or two on both my experience with cars and the headaches that they give me and Kevin's experience in cars and all the headaches he's been through as well. It's all about lessons learned today. <laughs> That's right. But, hey, I'm going to preface that, uh, you know, hey, these happened a long time ago, a long time ago. And today I'm perfect, man. I don't make mistakes. <laughs> right. These are... <laughs> <laughs> These are newbies. Nah, just kidding, man. We're always learning, always learning. But my other preface is uh, literally everything we talk about, it was from a friend, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was, to a it was a friend mistake, and, and we're just sharing it with you. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> uh, but look, you know, it, it's funny, man, because anything in life, any sport, hobby, anything you're crazy passionate about, typically you push on it and lean on it and try to learn more because you're so, you know, you're absorbing everything there is to understand and know and learn and, and sort of get involved with it. You know, you, you make mistakes. It, I was, you know, I, I raced pro motocross for a number of years here in Colorado and I'd always go out to practice and, you know, I was riding with a bunch of fast guys and they'd always tell me, man, hey, you didn't crash once today. And I'm like, yeah, it's a good day. And he's like, well, I don't know, man, because if you ain't crashing, you're not pushing hard enough. And I'm like, oh, touche. Um, yeah. There's something about pushing. There's something about figuring it out. And, you know, I oftentimes say um, there's strength in the struggle. And typically one of your best sort of uh, means to educate yourself and your best teacher is your last mistake. And that's so true in the automotive world, in the car world. And we're going to give you several examples of it today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little flashbacks, man. A little looking back humor at, uh, you know, all the distance that we've covered. And there's still more because there's always something else to learn. But yeah, man, got some good stories, uh, good examples, good lessons learned. So I uh, hope you guys, uh, you know, maybe pick up a few, probably relate to a lot of them and probably laugh your tail off at, you know, how dumb we could be at some <laughs> point in our lives, you know? Yeah, man. It's, you know, 
and it's funny because most of us, like you, Kev, you got started. How old were you when you got the car bug, man? Was it before you ever had your license? Did you have it? Uh, was it, you know, shortly after you got your license? When, when did it bite you? Oh, yeah, just a tiny kid. As soon as I could draw, uh, you know, my grandmother always would talk about it. She says, you always ask for paper or pen and would just draw cars, you know? And then there's the Hot Wheels, right? So it was the Hot Wheels oh, yeah. and... You know, I had a small collection. We didn't have a lot of money, but, you know, friends, we'd pull them together. Man, it was, oh, I was swimming in that stuff. And, um, <laughs> yeah, I just kind of progressed. Now, for me, uh, I was solo. My dad was never into cars. Uh, no one really in my family or friend, neighbor or whatever. So it was just whatever I could dig up, every Hot Rod magazine, you know, you name it. Eventually, I was going to the bookstore and just buying the Smoky Eunuch books and this and that, just trying to learn and then just fail. Right. That, yeah, to me, that yeah. was I had no teacher other than just go fail. Right. Right. <laughs> it's funny for me. My dad was, you know, my dad was kind of unique because as a kid, one of my first memories is him racing this 57 Chevy that that is actually in one of my shops right now. Um, and, and that car, I laugh about it because it, it truly was my first memory and probably one of the first ways that I got so ingrained in that car culture and that lifestyle I was always obsessed as a kid and even growing up as a teenager my dad got out of it you know by the time I was a teenager although he did have a nice house with a, a pretty decent shop indoor garage attached to it so we found a home there and doing a lot of the work and on occasion we would get dad to come out lend some knowledge but he was about more so about letting us learn on our own, which meant a lot of mistakes, man. Uh, and uh, we definitely shared shared in a bunch of them from, you know, from paint jobs to engine builds to, you know, what not to do when it comes to your first nitrous kit. Uh, I learned a lot of lessons along the way. <laughs> and, you know, everything from driving and, and all the supporting cast of what it has to to make a car go fast or go around a road course pretty quick and, and those type things, man. It's, uh, it, it's one of those things that, we share that passion. You guys listening probably share that passion and probably have got memories along the way that, you know, you two have failed, but isn't that part of the story? Isn't that really what makes the story so great? <laughs> it makes the accomplishment that much more meaningful, right? Yeah. When you actually, you know, you got your latest project or just, you know, thinking about the moment in time where you are and what, what you've accomplished, all these various steps, you know, you're like, wow. You know, you think back where I started from, all the lessons I had to learn, all the fails in between and, and where yeah. you're at. And obviously, you know, there's still more to go. But uh, we'll take a quick break here. But uh, hopefully, you know, when we come back, man, we'll have some, some great stories. You know, we were laughing before uh, kicking on the show here that, you know, the more I sit here and think about it, my list could go on forever and ever. So <laughs> we're just going to barely scratch the surface here. Uh, but we'll have some fun with it. Hopefully you guys can uh, have some fun and think about some of yours and relate to ours. Exactly, man. Quick break. We're back at it. It's the Two Guys Garage Podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B. We'll see you on the other side of the break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the Two Guys Garage Podcast. He's Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And today we're talking about lessons learned. Honestly, 
you're not a real hot rod unless you've learned a lesson or two or five or 12 or 20, um, really depending on how long you've been in the car game. <laughs> man, I got uh, zeros after those numbers, man. I don't <laughs> Oh, a lot of hard knocks, a lot of hard knocks. But uh, It was funny for me, man. I remember as a kid, it was always about who had the fastest car. We had a, a little hangout in my little small town, and I grew up in Kentucky. It was called Piggly Wiggly Grocery Store. The high school was right beside of it. So between the high school parking lot and the Piggly Wiggly was the hangout. And it was just long enough where you can catch a nice eighth mile, 660-foot burnout if you can make it between the Piggly Wiggly and the high school. And uh, yeah, I always want to be the fastest guy. So my first mistake was being that kid that didn't care about how much it costs. I cut grass. I worked at Famous Recipe Chicken. I got on a radio when I was 15 years old. So I was doing so many jobs to try to pay for an engine, a big block in my 71 Dodge Charger. I'd save the money cutting grass. I'd worked at Famous Recipe Chicken. I'd paid cash for this Dodge Charger, 2,500 bucks wow. for a 1971 Dodge Charger. And it had a 318 in it, and I'd, I'd bought a 440. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm going big block, baby. So what did my dummy, you know, silly 16-year-old kid self do? I went and ordered the biggest camshaft. Right? <laughs> I, I had a tunnel ram, a tunnel ram. Nobody runs around town in a tunnel ram on a streetcar. I had a tunnel ram, two fours. I took those hollies apart and every square edge, you know, on the Venturi, as you look into the bowl, you have a little square edge. I rounded it off so it flowed about 40 to 50 CFMs more. They were two 390s. And man, I'd foul plugs every 40 miles and think I was the baddest dude in the world. <laughs> uh, it was a fast car when I got it to run, but it had a, you know, a point ignition, you know, it didn't have electronic ignition back then. So I was taking fingernail files and, you know, filing down the points and setting the dwell and, and trying to, you know, click off a decent time. And I never forget the first time ever as a 16 year old kid going down the track, what was my ET? Ooh, what was your ET with a tunnel yeah. ram? Uh, yeah. And, and, and it ran like plugs. a dog, dude. It ran like a dog. Um, uh, I didn't know much about tuning at the time, but I was 16 and I wanted to get to the track, man. I was like, I got to get to the racetrack because I got a race car. Did you break into the 11s? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even. My first, first time down the track. 1356, wow. bro. <laughs> nice. It stung a little bit. I thought for sure I was going to run the 11s. <laughs> I With had the big cam car. and everything, right? <laughs> yeah. I went to the bottom of the page in order the biggest one. <laughs> you know, I don't need to talk about stall. Just send me the camshaft. Right. Um, yeah, man. <laughs> so every one of my components just worked against one another, you know? And I didn't really realize what I was doing until, you know, I was getting smoked by every Tom, Dick, and six-cylinder Harry out in the world, and I couldn't understand what, why my car that had all these go-fast parts and it wouldn't go fast. Well, it's because nothing, nothing worked cohesively together, you know? My intake wasn't right for the camshaft, and the camshaft wasn't right for the heads and, you know, the stroke, and everything was just wrong with the car. So after I figured that out uh, a year or two later and getting mopped up by everybody, uh, I had a, a wise man at a machine shop educate me a little bit on making sure everything worked within the same RPM, ratios, temps, times, and, and, and really put together an engine that I could be proud of. And eventually, when I was a senior, by the time I was a senior, uh, I really did have a 10-second streetcar and something to be proud of. But, man, my sophomore year in high school, it, I was humiliated. 
<laughs> I was oh. laughed at, man. <laughs> That's awesome because you know what? I can relate. I think everybody probably <laughs> bought too big a can at some point in their life, you know? Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> so I had a, a, my first car. God, I wanted a 70 Fastback. Uh, you know, I'm 15. I got my money saved up, mowing lawns, all that jazz. And a family friend had a 70 Mustang. And of course, the parents uh, convinced me we had to take it to a mechanic. And they said, oh, look at all these things you got to repair. You know, duh, of course, it's a cool right. car, you know, and it's <laughs> right. on the cheap. Ended up with a third gen Camaro, um, but it was a V6 car. Oh, my God, did that hit me hard. Just a little bit later, I got my license. and I'm like, wow, this is really slow. So, no cool points for you with a six cylinder. No. So it didn't take long at all, man. I'm 16. Uh, you know, whatever other lawnmower money I had, no, no parental, you know, hardly a toolbox, but I ripped that six cylinder right out, the transmission, the rear end, and I started building <laughs> motors with books. My parents are flipping out like, what is he doing? He took the whole car apart. It's never going to leave this garage. <laughs> But somehow, you know, I started building some motors, you know, and, and fast forward a few years, um, well, a year or two, got a job at an engine shop. So it was like every time, ooh, I learned how to port and polish, boom, you know, I'd pull that motor out and start. So I started, went through motor after motor or build after build, just whatever I was learning, I was doing. So that was a cool process. And, you know, I finally tapped into a good resource. But if I fast forward a little bit, now I'm in college, uh, I'm working as a mechanic at a Tuffy's working my way through engineering. And um, I had my car, I had my, my latest motor, big, you know, high-rise manifold. You know, I had a, a cal induction fiberglass hood that I'd saved up my money and bought, you know, used. And now everything fit, because before I had to cut a hole out you know, for the air cleaner. <laughs> right, I had the hole for a tunnel ram. <laughs> but the hood came with, uh, you know, hood locks. But they, yeah. weren't, they weren't pins where you could see where the pin was in or out, you know, like the locking pin. It yeah. had the like bicycle lock, you know, oh, so you okay. set it down and you had the bicycle lock kind of key. Uh, so anyway, I was working on the car and uh, at Tuffy after work. And I guess, you know, some car stalled out in the middle of the road and all the mechanics were like, hey, help push. So I dropped the hood, went over to help push the car, cleaned up, did all that stuff. When I got back in the car again to go drive off. Didn't realize it wasn't latched. <laughs> Pulled out of that toughy parking lot, went flying down the road, banged a gear or two, and then whoop, the hood <laughs> flies up and rips right off both corners where it's mounted. Flies up into the air. I don't know how high. You could have put a string on that thing and called it a kite. <laughs> this wow. is like a, a brand new you know, purchase. It was used, but it was a brand new purchase for a broke college kid. Uh, that thing just right. flew off into the woods somewhere. <laughs> I was like, go, <laughs> darn it. Did you go back and get it? <laughs> I, I tried to, and it was gone. Somebody had fished it out or, right. <sighs> man. That moment when it flew off your car, you're like, well, that wasn't what I was thinking was going to happen. <laughs> so I was that guy driving around for quite a while with no hood until <laughs> I could afford to scrape some pennies together and, and uh, score something else to put on top of that thing. You know, it's, uh, it's funny, though, isn't it? It's always the pursuit of that, you know, that big block, that, you know, power that, you know, I, I got it, Mom. I got it, Dad. I'm going to, you know, take this six-cylinder out and make this thing go fast and respect it. You know, it's that it's that charge to be on top, and uh, once you get bit by that thing, it's hard to get rid of. <laughs> oh man, no doubt, no doubt. Speed well, has always... probably cost me more money. When I think about you know just the expense, I have I have shelled out 
to make whatever vehicle I have faster. That's all I've done in life. My my only real accomplishments, I can eat my weight in mashed potatoes. I'm really and I'm really good at napping. Uh, outside of that, I, I think every car I've ever had, I, I've tried to make go faster in big ways. Uh, and I'm I'm so guilty of that. And man, is it has it bit me? Whether it's nitrous, turbos, supercharged, uh, whatever, man. It's uh it's been fun, but boy, lessons. I've learned a lot of them. <laughs> Man, I have spent enough to, you know, pretty much support a meth habit for most of my life. You know, <laughs> the only thing I really have to show for myself is that I still have all my teeth. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> um, and, and a couple of cool cars. So I guess there's yeah, something there, you know? Exactly, man. So <laughs> I got a question. What was your first mistake? So when you think about hot rotting, you know, there was big sort of evolutionary jumps, right? I got out of it. For a, for a while because I moved to Charlotte and Florida and I couldn't afford, you know, a hot rod or a race car or a muscle car or anything like that. But when I moved back to Colorado, you know, I remember driving through this, you know, this little road and I saw the corner of a 70 Dodge Charger. And to me, there is nothing, there is nothing artistically, aesthetically. Uh, there is not a muscle car, uh, a modern car, an old timey car. There is nothing in my mind, more beautiful than a 1970 Dodge Charger. I know some people could, you know, throw their car out there and, you know, and, and be fine in a in a debate over the lines and the fluidity of it and, and you know, uh, what it means to them. But for me, it's, it's all about that 70 Dodge Charger. So I saw the back of one and I'm like, oh, my God. And at the time, I had, honest God, I just got a 72 Sebring with a really cool front grille. You know, like a 72 kind of Roadrunner. Um, really cool front grille in that car. I just paid 600 bucks for it. And I drove down this guy's driveway and said, hey, I'll give you this car right here and $300 for that 70 Dodge Charger. And this was like 1993 or something. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. And so, and he was like, wait, you won't give me that running car and $300 for that that car in the, in the field? And I said, absolutely. And he said, shoot, I'd have took the 300 bucks, but give me the keys. <laughs> so <laughs> so I got that car. I went that weekend, worked on it. And actually, man, it had been forever, but I did a quick tune-up, put rotor cap, plugs, wires, change oil in it right there in that field, pumped up the air on uh, in the tires, and I fired that thing off, man. I drove that thing home. Uh, did a freshen up on the carburetor. So put new power valves in it, uh, new gaskets, clean the floats. There's things I knew how to do at that point. And that thing fired up, man. So it was, it was really cool. It leaked oil. I left a big, huge just puddle of oil everywhere I went. It was about three different colors. Um, but to this day, I own that car. Uh, I've restored it twice. And one of my next lessons learned comes from that first time, like in high school, when I, I bought, you know, I got this, before I started building my own engines, the last engine I paid to have built was this beast stroker of a 440. It's a 500 cubic inch big block. Actually, it was a 542. It had indie heads on it, so had some money in it. Everything cohesively together, meaning the, you know, the intake and camshaft and you know, the compression ratio, everything is perfect. This should be a really nasty 600-ish, so you know, horsepower. Uh, you know, the engine at, at the rear tires, which, you know, 750, and, I, and I'm out here in altitude in Colorado, that means something. So it was a, oh, a big money engine. Well, I took this engine out of the truck and I lifted it up with a forklift. And here's the lesson. Oh, learned. no. Oh, I lifted no. this engine up, right? I put the forklift, of the little, you know, arms of the forklift out. I lifted it. It's a wedge engine. So I 
put it right there just outside the little oil pan and I back up with the the forklift I had was low on hydraulic fluid. This is like so a I horror a movie, bit, man. It's I a horror a movie. You're leaning ramp. right up to the, the bad part. <laughs> and so I'm backing it out of this. The, I got it really high so the truck can pull out, right? So the forks are way high. And I go to hit the reverse, and it goes, oh. and it just catches the gear, right? It's got to build up all that RPM, push all the fluid, and then it hits in the gear and gauges. Boom, the engine's not strapped down. So it jams the forklift in the gear. My brand new machine shop engine goes tumbling. Foo -foo, full rotation, does a full rotation, 180 degrees, lands on the corner of the Indy head I just paid for, and I'm talking thousands of dollars, and cracks it. Oh, yeah, man. So that, that race season, on hold, rebuilt the engine, had to put new head on it. Everything in between. So, yeah, here's the lesson learned. Strap down your engine in any opportunity that you're moving it because you never know. Same goes, Kevin knows about transmissions from an incident yep. on the shop show one day. So strap down whatever it is you're moving, be it an engine or transmission to a training jack, engine to, you know, something like a forklift um, or, a, you know, pallet. Make sure you got that thing strapped down and secure because you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was painful oh but oh. you learned right you learned from that one definitely it hurt kev it hurt it hurt oh. <laughs> all right well i got one coming after the break uh all right you know i talked about you know kind of being that 16 17 18 just building whatever variation of motor learning different cams and heads and all kinds of stuff so rushing to get one in a car and fire it up so after the break here yeah man and, and my second one after the break Imagine being, I, I have a, a really fast street car now. It's a 69 Dodge Charger. I'll tell you about it coming up. It's a nitrous story and a nitrous story that hurts a little bit. But this is at a huge race. Thousands of people there. I've gone through several eliminations. We're down to the, you know, the quarterfinals. Four of us left for big money, no whammies, and a nitrous problem that we've all probably experienced if you run a lot of nitrous. All right, we got a quick break. We're back in just a minute. It's the Two Guys Garage podcast. Kevin Bird, Willie B. We'll see you on the other side. It is the Two Guys Garage podcast. He is Kevin Bird. I am Willie B. And we're talking about lessons learned today. And when we left off, Kevin, you were saying it. All right, you're, you're still in high school with this one? Yeah. Um, it, what happened? What occurred? Uh, how painful was it on a one to ten scale as you reflect upon this story at the time? Was it a seven, a nine? Was it a ten? What was it? I was more of like the eight, nine on the laughing scale. Recoverable. Okay. Recoverable. It was fairly reasonable. Uh, but yeah, one, one to remember. Um, so you know, I talked about building, you know, different motor combinations for my third gen small block Chevy, but you know, I'd started working at a, a machine shop and really learning, man. I was glued in valve jobs, you know, tearing motors down, doing the buildups. And, um, man, we had race cars that we would help set up. So man, I'd set this, uh, race car, uh, you know, iron heads, all really awesome port and polish, man. I got my set of heads. I'm port and polishing. I got my double hump, 
you know, 202, 1.6 <laughs> Chevy, you know, like I'm like, oh, and I'm so stoked. And Coming I got the, the big cams. Yep. I got the solid lifter, man. Like this combo. Wow. I'm really going to move the needle. Uh, hey, that so, was a bad piece of equipment back in the day, man. I'm telling like, you, you might have been 425 horsepower. Exactly. Bro. <laughs> I was, it was huge back then. Uh, so, you know, you can imagine my just enthusiasm to get this thing together. So, you know, got the motor built. And, uh, you know, my, my spot was just the driveway, right? That's where I just constantly would work. It had a nice slope to it. So, you know, putting motors in and out, it was always by myself. So I got really good, you know, in high school with pulling motor and transmissions out uh, on jack stands or even worse, some <clears throat> cylinder blocks, you know, under certain <laughs> portions of the car, which I don't want to talk about. Um, but anyway, I am just thrashing to get everything prepped and built and get this thing in the car and I can't wait to fire it up. It's getting dark, right? But I get it in, I'm bolting everything on. I got the headers on, I got the wires and da 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 And I go to fire it up and it's a solid lifter cam. So I have the uh, rocker covers, you know, pulled and ready to, you know, kind of lash it up when it gets hot. And uh, so anyway, it's, it's dark, I'm firing the thing up. I got a flashlight, you know, and I'm going through my valves and I'm so busy you know, as the thing is warming up, getting the lash set up that I didn't realize that my starter wire was touching the header and started sparking, you know, as the thing got oh. hot. So it melted the, oh, no. the starter wire. The thing is arcing. You know, there's like the smallest little fire down there of the insulation on the on the wire. But my dad comes out and all he sees in the dark is me with a flashlight and then there's some fire in there. I have both valve covers open. <laughs> And he runs in the house, grabs the fire extinguisher, oh, no, and just no, proceeds no, no, no. to just blast the entire engine compartment. Oh. <laughs> Valve train is completely exposed. I got, oh. you know, fire extinguisher dust and debris and whatever Sulfur. just everywhere oh, yeah. on this brand new build, man. <laughs> Meanwhile, I just went and reached in and turned the key off, you know, to yeah. cut the short, <laughs> move the wire a little bit, and it was perfectly fine, but... You know, he went, he went in pure Ooh. dad mode, like, yeah, man, that's like a king of the hill moment. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, yeah. Ooh, brand Ouch. new, you know, this is a kid like, oh my gosh, I had so much like <laughs> fired up excitement for this moment. Yeah, literally fired up excitement. <laughs> yeah. You know, I didn't even get the lashing done where I could go, whoom, whoom, before it was yeah. whoosh. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what do you use to clean it up? Well, I, you know, that was the part where, right or wrong, what I ended up doing uh, was just getting kerosene and just flushing across each cylinder head and valve train, you know, yeah, just kind of try, yeah. try to break it down, let it get in the oil pan, you know, drain it out, put a little bit of oil and fire it up for a few minutes, you know? So I, f I kind of flushed it with some kerosene and some oil, and I said, hey, you know what? It's going to go. It's we'll going to go. Yeah. And, <laughs> hey, man, I ran that sucker forever. I yeah, romped man. on that thing. So in the end, it was only a, you know, two factor, um, <laughs> but it sure put a damper on my enthusiasm. That's oh my God, sure. man. Dad would have been doing detail duty. <laughs> yeah, man. Ouch. Could have uh, strangled I, him, man. Yeah, man. So <laughs> lesson learned there. Maybe consult with the parents on what you're doing um, before, uh, I don't know, before they take a fire extinguisher to your, to your car. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
hey, here's a lesson learned when it comes to nitrous. I, I, I'm a big fan of nitrous because it's, you know, it's, it's easy, it's manageable power, and, and there's so many companies, uh, you know, Induction Solutions, I'm a really good friend with, with Steve, and he's, he's always been a, you know, long-time good friend in the nitrous world. I started running nitrous a long time ago just because, you know, bang for buck, it's really easy to go fast on that stuff. Um, I've got several turbo and supercharged cars, but on my street car, I run nitrous because it's an old-school big block. Again, imagine a 69 Dodge Charger. Um, it's got a gear vendors unit on it. It's a 727. The engine's a 542 cubic inch, nasty big block Chrysler, big Indy heads, big cam, great intake. It's just a, it's a pretty hard running car. Now this thing makes a lot of power cause it's pretty, it's got a pretty decent compression. Um, I'm running just over 12. It's like 12, two to one out here in Colorado where the altitude is about 6,700 feet at, at my house. So this car runs, you know, on, on spray. I only have like, well, I have two setups on it. I have one for the street and it's honest to God, it's just a 150, 175 shot. I can't remember what it is on paper, but it makes about 240 on the car at the rear tire. And I've got a 400 shot that I use at the track. And that, believe it or not, that makes about, well, about 600 uh, on on the car it's it's nutty how uh how it how it moves that car so here's a car that's you know it's just over a thousand horsepower um and it's pretty rowdy it's old school so it's got a big carburetor on it and uh and i also run Colorado street outlaws here we do a lot of eighth mile and quarter mile racing and we invite several people from states and towns around to come and race so imagine having this street car that runs low nines runs 19s and in Colorado, that's a pretty fast streetcar. Should go eights this year, but I get booted out of the track a lot, but that's a different story. Um, that's another lesson learned. So I'm running Colorado Street Outlaws in this car, and there's a guy from Kansas. He's a pretty popular street streetcar guy. He's out, and we're down to the finals of this pretty fast streetcar, small tire matchup. And we draw, you know, we draw cards and pick matchups and all that stuff we're down to the last four i'm in the mix well i'm also hosting the event because as you guys know i do radio on the side and you know I, I do a lot of hosting events like that so what's the, what's crucial for nitrous guys if you don't know much about nitrous there's a few things that are really important when it comes to nitrous <laughs> how don't much timing yeah, yeah how much timing you're pulling out right making sure that all your your ratios are correct that your pressures are correct and you manage the temperature, the temperature of the bottle and the temperature of the engine. Cause as you increase temperature on the bottle, you know, you're going to drastically change how that, that shot comes on. I've got everything on a progressive controller, which ramps it in a certain percentage and ramps it in over a, you know, a half a second to a second, whatever I decide to. So here we go. I'm hosting this event. They say small tires coming up. That's my class. Well, the guy I race against, the guy pulls my number. Well, I've been hosting this event in the fall in Colorado, so it's kind of chilly. So every night, this guy knows what's important, especially racing fall or spring events. The engine temperature. So the bottle temperature is crucial, right? You want that pressure somewhere around 900, 950. Most guys will tell you. You want your fuel pressure, you know, right around eight, nine pounds. You want to pull a couple degrees of timing for every, you know, 50 horsepower you're adding is a good rule of thumb. I put out a little bit more because I got a harder shot on it. 
but I didn't let my engine get the temperature. And I knew it the whole time I'm jumping in the car and I was like, man, they're calling us up. There's only four of us left. We're the first draw. So that means I got to go out there. So I'm stalling as much as I can, but my engine temp all the way over there only got to about a buck 40, a buck 50. So I, I had a sneaky suspicion it wasn't going to react quite like I wanted it to. However, about 330 feet down the track, when the entire top half of the engine explodes into a fireball and aluminum shoots out of my hood scoop and, and literally burns itself into the clear coat, I knew that I really, really should have let it get to 180 to have that thermostat open. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a, there's, I never had it happen to me. And that's why I was, I was questioning whether or not it was even a thing. But for nitrous guys, you got to let that engine get to temp because what happens is some of that combustion on an overlap can, which most nitrous guys have, some of that combustion gas is going to come back. And if it's cool, if the engine's not at the temperature, you'll get some puddling up of that gas and that nitrous in the runners and in the intake. And boom, when it's exposed to any sort of combustion, man, it lights off in the intake. It burned all the venturis, the butterflies, completely off that carburetor and blew them out the hood scoop. That's how bad it was. Wow. So, yeah, it was nuts to see the carburetor, what happened. I had chunks of carburetor that were locked in between the valve and the head. So literally chunks of, of carburetor was ingested by my, my engine. So needless to say, I pulled that thing apart. This was kind of miraculous. I pulled that thing apart. I actually didn't have too much damage to the cylinder, so I made it out of that pretty clean. I had some damage to the head, had to order valves. I rushed them. I did have that car back together because everybody's at the races like, you blew it up, you blew it up. I didn't want to admit that I blew it up. I said it was just a small fire and uh, everything just would get handled. Just a flesh wound. Yeah, it's a small flesh wound. I had the car back in a week and a half at another event running nine teens at the big racetrack. So I did all right getting it back, but let me tell you, it was every night adventure with a couple friends and, and it cost me an arm and a leg not to admit to the general public that I made that mistake. So lesson learned, make sure if you're running nitrous, you allow your, your engine to get the temperature. It's an oversight, the, uh, an overlooked, easily overlooked type thing if you're just out there playing. But yeah, if you're hustling up, make sure you get everything to temp, the pressures, the ratios, uh, and, and you know do so, double check, triple check before you push that button or uh, mash that throttle. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, those are the big lessons learned. That man. one hurt. That one what, hurt. what do you think you out of pocket for that one? What it take to turn that thing around? Oh, dude, it cost me. I was doing my own engines at that point, but it cost me. I had to get the head fixed and repaired. Reported a couple of valves. Um, God, an intake was damaged and a new carburetor. I had to buy a new 1050 or 1150 Dominator. So it cost me a couple grand. I was in that yeah. repair. You know, twenty five hundo, three grand. Uh, yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Said and done. Yeah, yeah. The, the paint job, believe it or not, I was able to save. I got a buddy that showed me some great tricks, and uh, was able to to sand the clear coat down, re-clear it, and uh, and save the paint. I was really fortunate with that. But yeah, that was a bad lesson to learn, man, and an unfortunate one for sure. Yeah, talk about temperatures. Um, not quite as drastic, but just a good lesson learned. You know, good intentions. Uh, you know, in college, we used to race those little Formula SAE cars. Uh, so mm -hmm. it's a super bike motor. 
uh, and you build basically like a little indie formula car. I mean, super low, inch off the ground, super light. I mean, probably one of the most fun, most, uh, you know, power to weight, most dynamic cars I've ever driven was those things, uh, a blast. But I remember going into one of the competitions where, you know, universities around the country, around the world would show up in Detroit and you'd go through a whole series of competitions, uh, driving events, engineering events, all that stuff. But anyway, we had this this idea, just like you said, you know, not having enough time to warm up, somehow not running the fan and letting the system warm up that to have the fan just come on. And I think at the time we didn't have the time to maybe set up a relay and a temperature switch. So it was like, yeah, man, get in the car. Don't turn the fan on until you get a couple of laps and then turn the fan on, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been to this mistake too. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to remember when you're just hanging it out on every corner, blasting through gears, you know, trying to do your, your heel toe fancy footwork, you know, when you're in your 19, 20 year old. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you realize there's just steam flying out. Everybody's waving at you and you're like, yeah, I must be going so fast. I'm kicking that ass. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, Meanwhile, the, the temperatures, you know, 300, the old temperatures, 350 and everything's melting. <laughs> yeah. So. Word to the wise, man. Um, make everything foolproof, especially anything that's got to kick on and off. Just just stop. You know, either have it on and wait for things to warm up, you know, or, you know, do the right thing and, and put some kind of a relay temperature switch in there, control on there. Because um, otherwise, you know, more than likely, you are going to be distracted by all things that is racing or whatever you're hot dogging around and, you know, you're yeah, going to miss it. And in a, an additional note, another site, uh, nitrous um, horror story. Um, if you're racing nitrous, make sure your nitrous pump, right, is armed and on. I, I used to run two different pumps. Um, and one time on the dyno, the guy running my car didn't turn the nitrous fuel pump on. And it was another boom. So, yeah, man, um, put everything on one pump that can manage the system. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and make sure when you arm the nitrous system, your nitrous pump is on. <laughs> Um, all right, so it's time to wrap things up, man. We had fun, and we just touched on a few sort of lessons learned. Oh, my learned, God, just barely. Just, <laughs> hey, let it be known that if you're trying to go fast, if you're trying to get performance, you're going to have stumbles. You're going to have falls. But there's so much strength in the struggle. You become a better competitor. You become a much better mechanic because you've worked, the, you've worked through uh, an enormous hurdle, right? You've figured out something that you were doing wrong. You corrected it because most of these lessons either come in monetary um, form or, you know, ouch, that hurt form. Uh, and, and you typically don't make that mistake again. So if you can share knowledge with other people, new racers, other enthusiasts, it's always wise to do so. Uh, and really, if you're not making mistakes, you're probably not trying hard enough. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, some of these are 30 plus year old stories and memories, and clearly they are burned into our brain. So there is no better way to learn, <laughs> never mm -hmm. forget, never forget, than to just screw yeah, something man. up, you know? Th that that nitrous one I was telling you about, I hated the guy from Nebraska, and he was like, get your ass up here. And I'm hustling, I'm in the burnout box. I'm like, come on, baby, get the temp, get the temp. And as I'm switching everything on, and I'm pulling through the line, I'm seeing that light, you know, as I get ready to light the stage light. I'm getting ready to see that light. I look down at the temp, and I'm like 160. And I had a, a second to withdraw. But if you withdraw, you lose the race. I'm thinking to myself, it, it, it won't do it. It won't do it, knowing in the back of my mind what I was about to do. 
it's like it did it. <laughs> so yeah, lessons learned, man. Keep learning. You never, uh, you never know everything. Um, and if you want to learn some cool stuff from the TV show, well, find it on the Motor Trend Network. Uh, it's also available. So airs weekends on Motor Trend Network, I should say. It is also is available on Motor Trend Plus, which is their streaming format, an easy way to find us and past shows. Um, Thanks for our guest, nobody today. Um, <laughs> he is Kevin Bird, our producer Scoop, and executive producer Bob Ecker. Oh, right on, man. Just don't forget to check out our, our website, too, twoguysgarage.com. Share your thoughts with us wherever we're on social, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, at Two Guys Garage. This is Two Guys Garage podcast. It's copyrighted 2023, Britain Productions Incorporated, all rights reserved. Hey, between you and me, man, I took a first date on a smoking hot chicken in high school. Remember, I had a 10-second streetcar senior in high school. It was, it was a bad car. But I'll never forget picking her up. <laughs> never made it out of her subdivision because it vapor locked or something. A couple things I hadn't quite worked out with that big fancy engine. And, yeah, it was my last date with her. My first date was the last one. So other lesson learned, never take your, your girl out in your race car on the first date. No doubt. Wait till the third. <laughs> they don't care about it. As much as we do, they don't. It's not cool to them at all, sitting on the side of the road. No, they don't like smelling like, you know, hydrocarbons and, and burnt fuel or unburnt fuel. They don't care how fast, how loud. Yeah. I, I don't understand flowers like burnouts for men. All right, you guys, enjoy. We'll see you on the next Two Guys Garage podcast. Hope you guys had fun, man. We'll see you on the next one. Two Guys Garage Podcast is a production of Britain Productions. For more episodes, visit iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.